The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for our listeners. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. To get started, all you have to do is click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Okay, let's get things started. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. Ready to recap a uh, week one where you uh, you had to sweat a little bit with your hogs. They were sweating a lot. I mean, uh, hot temperatures, sloppy play, 13 penalties. Woo, pig suey. Just shooting themselves in the foot. Didn't look good whatsoever, but credit to Rice. They they really brought it in the old Southwest Conference rivalry. Big week, though. Big week coming up. Arkansas, Texas. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that later in the week. We're going to recap week one. We're going to get to your voicemails here in a sec. We have some giveaways. We'll talk a little bit, you know, maybe highlight a game or two that we like for next week right now. And I was happy. I was happy for any Arkansas backers that, I mean, I don't know how you got that first quarter cover, and I don't know how people got the game cover. And I still got to do a first half tweet at you like oh boy um (laughs) but an amazing amazing cover but let's uh start where we always like to start on these recap episodes which by the way this is coming out on tuesday morning that's just because it's a holiday weekend in future weeks this episode will always come out on monday morning Uh, but let's get right in to your voicemails which unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you look at it aren't that spicy this week because we had a, a pretty good week one I turned a profit in week one. You know, I mean, yeah. I, 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 that's an act, an act of God was required. I'd never win any money in week one. So hopefully that's a good sign for the rest of the year. But let's get into the voicemails. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of the Big Bats on Campus podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Leave a message after the bleep. Look, I just called in and just watched Hank Bachmeyer cost us over in the Boise State UCF game. I can't go this whole entire season watching Hank Bachmeyer just everything up. This is horrible. Get this kid out of the game, off the program. He's absolute trash. Yeah, back when I referred to the UCF game, I was extremely happy that UCF came back for my Boise win total under. Was really counting on UCF to win that game. But back when I just, yeah, it continues to be just a little inconsistent. That throw that he made where he just forced it at the end was uh, just a, a very poor decision. I don't know if when we're going to see or if we're going to see Jack Sears, Sears time again soon, but uh, what, any thoughts on Boise? 
Yeah, well, we talked about this in the SEC preseason pod about what Brian Harson has done to quarterbacks at Boise, and I'm wondering if the regression to all of that is starting to come. You look at this, 28% success rate in passing downs for Bachmeyer. That's below the national average. Just one explosive drive for Boise out of 13 possessions. And you say, well, what is an explosive drive? I obviously know what an explosive play is, but an explosive drive is where your entire drive averages more than 10 yards per play. They just had one out of 13. 0.77 yards per play rushing the ball. Two-plus first down drives and percentage of available yards well below national average. This Boise State offense... It's gone. I think I think we're in for some real regression with the Broncos on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and you got to look at the, their star receiver was banged up too, something to keep an eye on. But yeah, the offensive line and back, but just one of the reasons why I bet Boise win total under. Let's move on here. This is Chris from Virginia. I'm hiding my girlfriend's grandfather's bathroom. Just drove four and a half hours Thursday night. Watched the entire Ohio State game in the f-ing Minnesota meltdown in the car. Just get in. Eastern Washington up 20-9, lets UNLV kick a field goal, fumbles the f***ing kickoff, and then next play, UNLV scores a touchdown, goes for two, and gets it, now it's 20-20. to 20. There's no f***ing chance this FCS show is going to cover now. And I can't even do anything about it because I don't want to wake up my girlfriend's 91-year-old grandfather. God, we are f***ing back, baby. Well, I, I'm glad that you, I hopefully you didn't wake up your girlfriend's father, but the, yeah, Eastern Washington ended, did end up covering and winning, beating UNLV. If you had that under, oh, Godspeed. I mean, it's a lot harder now to to just get absolutely, to have just a, you know, once in a lifetime bad beat because of like four or five or six overtimes, because after two overtimes, you go and you teams alternate two-point conversions, but that one was as bad as it got. It was 6-3 at the half, and it went over 66 by a point in – double overtime after Eastern Washington got their two-point conversion and UNLV didn't. The one thing I took away from UNLV, they had a kid who made like a bunch of 50-yarders, I think. So I noted that. There was not much else Damn. to take. But FCS teams winning happened a lot. I think it happened six times this weekend, which was more than 2019 and 2020 combined. I'll get to some of them when I recap some of the upsets. But, yeah, UNLV starts 0-1. If you had that win total over, that's, that's a big, big upward climb now. Uh, any thoughts there? No, other than uh, the FBS should start implementing relegation. Top bottom 10 teams, you get thrown down into FCS. At top 10 FCS teams come up into FBS. We've talked about it forever. But uh, this was a monster slate, and I wasn't surprised by the number of FCS teams that benefited from spring ball that came in and, and really played well uh, here. So uh, there might be some opportunity for that this week, too. We'll see you on Thursday's podcast. Yeah, and the teams that didn't play last year and didn't play in the spring, sample size is very small. But, I mean, UConn, woof. They continue to look bad. Mexico State actually finally got a cover, but they still look very poor. Ohio State game he mentioned. I don't know how you don't call that targeting. That's been called targeting against me 50, you know, 100 out of 100 times. It's a definition of targeting. I don't necessarily always agree with the targeting. And I I definitely don't agree with throwing kids out for targeting that's not, you know, you know when it's malicious. When it's a malicious targeting call, when you're leading with your head and spearing into like a quarterback under here, Everyone knows that, but these ones that are just in the heat of, you know, playing defensive back, we can't we can't keep throwing out these kids, but we continue to do so. It's got to be know, flagger one, flagger two. Everyone agrees on that point, and the NCAA still doesn't do anything about it. But you know, at end of fourteen, I had Minnesota plus fourteen. That hurt. You know, didn't uh, you know not getting a chance to get a backdoor, but they also 
had a, you know, well, Ohio State hit a guy in the helmet when there would have been a pick that was overturned. So probably uh, a just result. I took a loss on the under there and it was cruising along with Mohammed Ibram running the ball. And that the pace of play was there for, you know, keeping CJ Stroud, like making sure that he doesn't throw it downfield, make sure he doesn't make mistakes. Ibram running the ball, the under pace was absolutely there. And then the second he gets hurt, it looks like he's done for the season. Take notice of how fast Minnesota's offense decided to a pass the ball on first and second down and B how quickly they were snapping the ball. The tempo went through the roof. Now I will say this. They are heavily on my radar for an over this week opened up 56, but if you put in their tempo and their pace of play into the calculator that I use to do projections, this number for this game coming up Minnesota this week is 68. So without Ibrahim and without a running game, are they going to go to an up-tempo passing attack on first and second down with Tanner Morgan? So uh, just keep your eyes open on that because that tempo really changed once that, once Ibrahim was out. Tanner Morgan. Yeah. I was really impressed with the kid right at receiver. Maybe they'll get Ottman Bell back. Yeah. He's out, but Ibrahim is just a, it's, it's such a big loss for that offense in, in the big 10 and, you know, they have such a massive offensive line with him running the ball. It sets up everything else. Uh, really big loss because he was running it well against Ohio State. And C.J. Sharp did – I'm curious to see how he looks at the start of this Oregon game. And, and we'll get to that later in the week because his stat line looked great. But, I mean, he had four wide-open receivers for I – mean, Ohio State's as explosive as anyone. They had the best – arguably the best receiving group in the country. And they had a screen that went for 80 yards. So his stat line looked spectacular. But that first half, I mean, he looked really bad. So you can chalk it up the jitters. You can chalk it up the nerves. It's his first college game. We'll see what he looks like next week. He did settle down a little bit, but, I mean, who who couldn't have made some of those throws? You had guys wide open, and he hit them. And, uh, I mean, at least he hit the wide open guys in the first half. He wasn't doing that. But, um, all right, let's move on. What the f*** was Mac Brown thinking? A minute 10 left in the f***ing game, and he runs the ball up the f***ing middle, doesn't call a timeout? No sh- your quarterback's going to get f***ing hurried. He's been f***ing hurried all game. I had Sam Howell Heisman. I had North Carolina championship futures, ACC futures, win total. All f***ed because of f***ing Mac Brown. F*** you, Mac Brown. Yeah, you well, can kiss uh, Sam Howell Heisman futures goodbye. And it was a bad, bad weekend for the ACC. Your top three teams in Miami gets blown out. UNC loses to Virginia Tech. Fourth quarter, Sam Howell magic, not there. He threw two picks in the fourth quarter. And then Clemson, which we'll talk to in a recap, gets, scores three points and loses to Georgia. But go ahead. Anything on UNC? Yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech had nine tackles for loss. Nine tackles for loss from a Hokies defense we wrote off completely last year, last couple of years. Uh, and UNC only had one tackle for loss. So who dominated the line of scrimmage? Obviously, it was Virginia Tech. Howell was sacked just once. Uh, and he was hurried three times. He still had three interceptions. Some of his interceptions just uh, very uncharacteristic from the how that we've come to love and, and bet on. And, you know, a 30% success rate on passing plays for UNC, that's well below the 41% national average rate. There's a fine line to walk here. Is it the new weapons? Was he not comfortable? Did he not get enough reps? Is there going to be a progression from week one to week two? College football teams that are very well coached make a big jump from week one to week two. So we'll see how that turns out. But a lot of this seems to be on Sam Hill's back and this offensive line that absolutely had Virginia Tech defenders in the backfield the entire game. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, a lot. some of his new weapons were not getting the separation that I thought that they would get. So I think it was just on everyone putting up only 10 points in that game. So it's something to watch. But, yeah, if you had UNC Futures, the worst possible start for all of those. Are you 
fucking kidding me? You're a kicker and you have one fucking job. UMass pick over 13 and a half first quarter. You got one job. One. One. Fucking one. And you missed the kick. And over 13 and a half misses by the hook. You know what? That's like, that's some shit. And you just, nope. Nope. I, nope. I made my bets for today. I'm done. Nothing live. I'm done. Goodbye. Yeah, so it, he's referring to Pitt, UMass, Pitt, over 13 and a half first quarter. Pitt misses uh, an extra point. Uh, you got to remember, what's what's his name? Kessman, who was their kicker with a huge, like, he's gone, so they have a new kicker. So he missed an extra point. The first quarter score ends 13 nothing, so it doesn't go over. And any thoughts on the kicker from the Pitt UMass <laughs> team? Uh, well, first off, I have to ask, are we betting UMass against Boston College here? Maybe some hometown cooking. Maybe you won't lay it on me. Boston College got over. We'll, we'll save that. We'll talk about that later in the week. Yeah, later in the week. But, I mean, a little couple of notes on UMass Pitt. UMass's red zone defense, they allowed 10 drives past the 20-yard line into the red zone. They allowed seven TDs and one field goal. Absolutely an abomination of a red zone defense. Of 22 rushing attempts that UMass had, 14 were stuffed by Pitt. Uh, that's a very high percentage, not shocking, but a very high. And they were 7.7 yards to go on third down attempts. And UMass football, I mean, converting a third down for them from that distance is just seems improbable. You're literally going up to a roulette wheel and just picking one number out with, uh, you know, a zero, a double zero, and a triple zero on it. So, I don't know. We'll see what we do this weekend. I I almost just want to blindly play an over, but, uh, you know, we'll see what we come up with by the end of the week. Yeah, speaking of field goal misses – that cost teams. I don't know who was still watching this game. If you had Kent State, so Kent State had used to have a really recently had a really good kicker uh, in Trickett, who who made one for Minnesota, luckily, which got them the push for me. But he transferred to Minnesota. Really good kicker. Their kicker now is Andrew Glass. And Mac teams are not known for their special teams. Uh, so Andrew Glass is now the freshman. So if you had Kent State plus, what, 29, plus 30, they were down by 31 in the fourth quarter. All you need is a field goal. That's it. Well, fortunately, you get a fumble by Texas A&M, who's up 41 to 10. You get a Texas A&M fumble deep in their own territory. Kent State takes over. So remember, you're, you're, you're down 41 to 10. You just need a field goal. Kent State takes over with four minutes to go. First and goal at the Texas A&M six. Incomplete. Run for five yards down to the one. Sacked. Loss of seven. That's perfect. Now you're going to kick the now you're going to kick the field goal. Glass comes in, shanks the 25 yarder. AM, ball back, three to go. You're probably deflated at this point, thinking AM's most likely going to run out the clock. Well, AM gets a first down, and then Calzada is throwing the ball, which is not really like, you know, Texas A&M, pretty conservative, Jimbo. They get picked off. Kent State returns it to the Texas A&M 30 with a minute to go. You're in business. Now, are they going to kick a field goal or not? That's the question. You know, loss of yard, six-yard gain, 15-yard gain down to the Texas A&M 10. Sacked. Loss of three. They call a timeout 30 seconds ago. You're like, all right, at least they're trying. Uh, then they, yeah, they, then they get a loss of two yards. Run for eight yards down to the Texas A&M seven. Fourth and goal at the seven. There's three seconds left. They call timeout. What are you, you going to do? Kick a field goal? 
They do. They cut glass comes out to kick a 24 yarder this time. And he misses it again. Missed a 25 and a 24 yarder. So keep that in mind with Kent State. They start off the season. I mean, obviously we're not going to win the game, but their kicker missed a 24 and a 25 yarder for the cover. I'm sorry if you had to endure that. Moving on. How about those Scarlet Knights of Rutgers? Stomping it into Temple's Temple. Man, I'm so excited. I got to call my girlfriend Marge from accounting. See what we can do tonight. Marge from accounting. Uh, got a shout out. Temple just got absolutely destroyed. Box score, very misleading. I mean, if you look at, I think it was like the first time in, I, I don't know, in 20 years that a team had over 60 points with the amount of yards that Rutgers, and Temple just kept turning it over inside their own 30, and their quarterback got hurt. They had a freshman come in. Mathis wasn't any good when he was in there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, credit to Rutgers for rolling it, but a lot of that was just Temple incompetence. Yeah, shocker, Dewan Mathis, that couldn't get it rolling. Listen, I said it when Rod Carey took the job. This is not a team we're going to bet on as far as Temple goes. Northern Illinois was in steady steady decline in the MAC. I mean, for years, they were one of the great teams in the MAC, and then they went under like a three-year steady decline uh, just everywhere against the spread success rate. Like, they just were no longer at the top of the MAC. And here we are with Temple, and we're getting a lot of the same stuff, a program that, you know, used to hire – I mean, geez, think of the names, the Jeff Collins, the Al Goldens, the Matt Rule. Yeah, Matt Rule. I mean, there's just so many so many good coaches that come through there, and now they're just on a, a pretty fast decline. Temple averaged one yard per play on first down and two and a half yards per play on third down. This is something where Temple's going to have adjustments and we're going to be able to play them. They're, uh, they are fave material for the rest of the year. Not many, unfortunately, not many Al gifts at, for the noon Temple games, which is sad, but I agree. Yeah. Colin, stuck. John from Long Island. It feels great to be calling you guys again, but God f-ing, f-ing it. I mean, Western Michigan, like, they, they might as well f-ing stay at home. I mean, holy sh. 47 to 7? The game's not even over yet. Bodog Jim pulled McNamara, and they're still f-ing going up and down the field. I mean, if I knew these kids were going to be this bad on defense, I wouldn't have laid a fucking nickel on this team. Oh, God, it's good to be back, but Jesus, do I feel fucking dumb. Yeah, I, I, I'll take that one. I mean, I had Western Michigan plus 17. I mean, going into that game, man, I mean, I'm, I'm starting on Saturday. I was like, you know, you have those, these Saturdays where you either start really well and you're like, I'm never going to lose a game, or you start really poor and you're like, am I going to lose every game today? And I saw, I think I started 0 and 4, 0 and 5. It was bad. And then I had my cross sport money line parlay would have hit at Wisconsin just one. Now, how many times can you get it's time for my rant of the week? This he just fired me up. All right, let it out. This is your rant of the week. How many times can you get down to the one and not score? You're Wisconsin. You're on 96 plays. 96 plays. And you scored 10 points. You know how hard that is? It's only happened four times since 2000. They had 45 more plays than Penn State. So I mean, I, I was fired up watching that. And then I had Georgia State. The one FBS team in an FBS game that had all the COVID impact, with, I had a, happened to be on Georgia State. That didn't obviously didn't leak. Georgia State took on money all, all throughout the morning. And then they're you know they're two of their best defenders and their best receiver by far is out. So I mean, but Wisconsin, hey, come on! And I'll continue my rant with Dana Holgerson. What did you do during the half? What what did, what did you do? They had seventy yards in the second half, up, up two touchdowns. Just come out in the second half and vomit all over the field. I mean, I, they're just the best. They're best Texas. The Houston Texans are playing in the stadium. The best Houston Texans impression. I mean, that was sad. But uh, yeah, Western Michigan, <laughs> awful play. We'll get to best call, worst call, bet regret. 
later, but I knew Western Michigan's defense stinks. I mean, it's bad. It's, it's going to be bad in the math. But my, the, cap, the, uh, the cap there is obviously it was just – I made the number a lot lower. But I figured their offense would, would be able to score with LB at quarterback. And, you know, they Sky Moore got hurt. Michigan lost Ronnie Bell too, which is a big loss. They lost him for the year. But, yeah, I mean, Western Michigan, they scored in that first possession and they couldn't do anything. Credit to the Michigan defense for sure. But, yeah, you, I didn't – I went into that game knowing that – I think I tweeted it out at like 1220. I said – that's huge that Western Michigan drove down the field and scored because we're not going to get any stops. The problem was we didn't get any stops. That's the way they just, Western Michigan just didn't score. A couple of my Twitter mentions. I had a couple of Twitter mentions about this game and I had a couple of DMs about this game and I probably should have made my feelings about it more. I just, this game never hit our radar as far as podcast goes, as far as live show goes, it just wasn't high enough up there for us to talk about it. But there's a history of Western Michigan not showing up in power five games and in, in the, in the Lester era. And then Michigan has a history of putting a beat down in directional Michigan schools under Harbaugh. He needs to own that state. He needs to run up the score. He needs to take advantage of making boosters happy and, and covering bets when it comes against these directional schools. And the, you're right. The number, the power rating number was well below the, the closing number. It's just something where I didn't want to get involved whatsoever because I knew that if they had the chance to run it up, they would. Uh, they held Western Michigan to zero explosive drives. That's notable for Michigan. Uh, having five of their 11 drives marked as explosive is encouraging for Jim Harbaugh. Again, this is a Mac school versus a, you know, big 10 school and Michigan was 72% success rate on standard downs. The national average is 47%. So they almost, I mean, well, I'm not gonna say almost doubled it, but 72% on success rate on standard downs. That is something to watch with Michigan going into week two. Uh, that, I mean, that's some, I haven't seen them post numbers like that in quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I was uh, – yeah, agree. On the offensive side, Michigan impressed me, but especially the defense side. Yeah, I, I know the history and Harbaugh needs to run it up, but Harbaugh's not out there making the tackles, and the, yeah. the defense was impressive. Uh, against – you know, Western Michigan did lose their best offensive player, Eskridge, who's now with the Seahawks, but they still have a lot of town on the outside. And, again, this goes back to last year. Maybe Western Michigan's offense isn't as good as I have it rated. You have to figure out what to do with these priors. Last year, I mean, LB was the third highest rated quarterback in the country. You look at adjusted completion, any stat, but they only played a max schedule. They played Akron, Toledo, Central Michigan, Northern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, and Ball State. That was it, right? So they don't have they didn't have non-conference teams last year. So a lot of these MAC teams, yeah, you know, you have to take some of the stats you have from last year with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, overall, impressed with Michigan. We'll get to Michigan, Washington later in the week. I had a call again because I'm just looking at my action app and it's all red, all f***ing red. I get closing line value with Ohio. They get f***ing steamrolled by a JV f***ing Syracuse team. San Jose State, loser. The f***ing humps, our mother f***ing humps, Colin, get backdoored by Liberty, loser. ULL, (laughs) thanks for showing up, Billy Napier, loser. Oh, it just never ends, guys. Just loser, loser, eh, loser. Where did you get the info to take ULL, right? I mean, I can't even tell you how many platforms you and I went on to preach in Texas last week. And, you yeah. know, as far as, as far as Campbell goes, listen, that thing opened around in the, like, the low 20s. No, you got your, you got your Campbell voicemail, though. That's all you wanted. So I, I, got, I just one. wanted one Campbell voicemail, but I ended up not playing it because it moved so far 
that I was going to wait until to get the last number and it was still moving up until kickoff. So I was like, there's something going on here. Something's out. Something's wrong. Cause it should have stopped moving. There should have been a little bit of buyback. There never was. I laid off Campbell. Any thoughts on Syracuse, Ohio? I watched zero of that game. Ohio, obviously the new coach and the Syracuse won that game pretty comfortably per the final score. Anything there? The most interesting thing about the box score when you look at Syracuse and Ohio is the fact that Ohio just didn't convert trips past the 40-yard line. They averaged 1.5 points per possession inside the 40-yard line. Everything else was there. 75% of their drives had two-plus first downs. They moved the chains just fine. No explosive drives, but, I mean, that's kind of what a Frank Solich offense was, was just continually moving the chains and moving the chains and moving the chains. They really took themselves out by not scoring when they got uh, when they got the chance. I mean, they had the same number percentage of available yards. They had no problems moving the ball. They just shot themselves in the foot past the 40. It sounds like you had a rough day there, and you're going to have many. I, I mean, I, I, I was on my way to one, but I'm going to have bad losing days. Colin's going to have bad losing days. It, mm-hmm. It's week one. You just got to move on. Don't chase. And, you know, if you need to take a couple of days off, the good thing with college football is there's natural days off built in. So you can get the – it's not baseball, the grind of baseball. You can clear your head, and uh, we'll try to guide you to some winners. But UOL, yeah, you're on your own there, my man. Uh, this this is not a podcast where you're going to hear the recap from us and say, look at how great we did. Look at the green and that, because you're only as good as your last bet. And that 2-11 and 11 weekend, it's coming. I know it's coming for me. One of these weekends there's going to be a 2-11. and 11, So – well, if I'm only as good as my last bet, and you, we had, at least we had... Uh, yeah, we had Florida, Florida State. State. Yeah, <laughs> thank God. Well, I don't have a bet tonight, so by the time people are listening to this, you might be worse than me, depending <laughs> on how your bet goes tonight. <laughs> we'll All right, see. moving on. Colin, you wanted a f***ing camel's voicemail? F*** you, who you freeze in liberty. F***ing no time left, backdoor, f*** off. Oh, I didn't even know we have a second camel's. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I just got a quick... Uh message to seth harrison either eastern washington university football kicker this stupid mother missed a 23 yard field goal he's dumbass he's got to go back to his little academic career and get his nine to five because he's not going to do anywhere else up my under all i gotta say i got four words for you holy cross money line that's three words, but we'll we'll let you go. <laughs> UConn f-ing sucks. Easiest money I've ever made in my life. Roll Saders, Patriot League champions, right there. Uh, what the f- I'm trying to go to sleep, and I'm still waiting on Portland State in Hawaii. Under, according to the Action Network. F-ing bullshit. I'm gonna wake up in the middle of the night. And it's going to be an over. I'm going to fucking hate it. And I blame Colin. I blame Stucky. What the fuck are we doing? Staying up for Portland State in Hawaii. Yo, Colin Stuck. What up? It's Tommy from Louisville. Shout out to you guys, Uncle Mitch, and everybody for putting on this pod, making it to the BBOC. It's the fucking goat. You guys don't get enough love in the voicemails, so kudos for all these dubs so far. This shit's way better than betting on the D-back thing is stuck. You all better chill with these cheap shots on my Auburn boys with these Bojangles mentioned. And, Colin, how are you going to sit up there and read off UMass-level defensive stats and justify it for your hogs by saying they play hard for Barry Odom, even though they're giving up points like the 1919 Chicago Black Sox? Do you know what time it is? Bull Nick season in full effect. War f***ing eagle. All right, thanks for our weekly uh, Auburn caller who is who coined the Bo Nick season. 
Bo Nix season in full effect. We took it yeah. from one of his voicemails. Uh, but appreciate some of the love. Yeah, I, I, we're getting shit here for ULL and uh, Portland State. I don't know where some people listen to this podcast and just go off into their own world and come up with their own plays and play mocks, <laughs> which is fine. Everyone needs an outlet and something to blame. You know, sometimes I blame officials and, and targeting calls. You can blame us. That's fine. Yeah, well, I, I mean, as far as listen, I think that I think talking about Auburn and Akron is actually worthy a little bit here. I got a text from a, a guy that I know that is considered a whale, like pushing money across the counter. And he was just F bombing my text log about the Akron Auburn second half under pretty much of a bad beat there and talking about how, you know, Brian Harson is running tempo and trying to score here with like three minutes left in the game up by 50. And listen, I put it in the action network app. I said it out loud. Mike Bobo doesn't take knees. This goes back to Colorado state. This goes back to every place Mike Bobo has been. It doesn't matter if he's up by 24 or 60. We are running tempo. We are scoring touchdowns. We are going, going, going that guy. Don't ever, ever try to take a dog number and the offensive coordinator you're going against is Mike Bobo. And it's like some 30 to 40 something point spread because that guy will have it out for you. But wait till they play Bama. They'll be forced uh, to take a name. Sorry, had to get a well, shot in there for you, brother. I think we need to talk about what Auburn did in the box score. And I know it's accurate. Uh, we just spent talking about Hawaii glorified scrimmages and Yukon glorified scrimmages. Listen, Auburn had an 82% success rate on standard downs. They averaged 10.5 yards per play. Yes, I know Akron was dealing with COVID. They got 80% of their available yards. That's 2020 Bama-esque. Over half of Auburn's drives were explosive. 73% of their drives were two-plus first downs. Yes, I know that this is Akron. Let's talk about Bo Nix. 20 of 22 and three TDs. I go back to what we said in the SEC preview. Every quarterback that came through Boise State under Brian Harson had a two-to-one big-time throw to one turnover-worthy play ratio. And, I mean, I went through a seven-year sample of all these quarterbacks. And he has made every single quarterback that he has coached, I mean, just explosive, successful, and has a great ratio about, you know, as far as the quality of the ball that he's throwing. The Auburn D, you want to flip to the other side? I know it's Akron. I know it's Akron. Auburn D, 11 tackles for loss and six sacks. I mean, I'm, I'm reserving judgment. I mean, Tion Dollard isn't there. The COVID was there. This is Akron. But uh, these are some pretty impressive numbers by Auburn. We're trying to get on the good side of uh, JK there. From <laughs> I think he's from Louisville. And, and, and again, it's home Bo Nix. Bo Nix season in full effect. It's home Bo Nix. So let's see if Harsh. Bo Nix at home has been incredible in his career. The problem is, is when he leaves the state of Alabama. So we'll see right. if he can uh, continue his improvement on the road. Let's move on. Jeff Collins is the biggest joke of a coach of all time. Lose to Northern Illinois in game one of year three of his coaching debut. He is all talk with nothing to back it up. And I mean nothing. I have never seen a coach so incompetent at game management. I've never seen a team so lost, but he is maybe the worst coach in college football. Jeff Collins. I am done supporting you. Bring back Paul Johnson and the triple option. It has to be better than that. <laughs> In fairness, it's basically like a year one for him. It's one of the reasons why I bet Georgia Tech under wins. I also had Northern Illinois under wins. So, like, I was – I didn't know how to feel about this upset. But it's – you know, he had year zero when you have a, a triple option team trying to take it to a non – and then year one, you know, then, then you have another year. You know, it's hard to do. You're every person that was recruited – you're changing offensive line splits 
And then you have a COVID year in there. I mean, so it's not a true year three. It's just, He's in a, t- a tough spot trying to turn around that program. I think that he will. But, yeah, some of his game management and time management have not been great. Jeff Sims, who has not been great, got hurt in that game. Not sure yeah. how much of a loss that really was. But, yeah, Northern Illinois pulled off uh, that stutter on a, you know, on a, a weekend where we saw – I'll have to look back historically, but we saw a lot of upsets. UC Davis over Tulsa as 22-point underdogs. NIU was 19-point underdogs over Georgia Tech. Montana plus 22-and-a-half over Washington. Uh East Tennessee State plus 21 over your Vandy boys. That's bad. Uh, Utah State, and they won by 20, too. Utah State plus (laughs) 17 over Washington State. That was my favorite result of the weekend for Washington State under. Jared, they started Jaron Guantana, who got hurt, who was awful, um, by the way. So a lot of upsets. Close calls. La Tech almost beat Miss State. There's three touchdown underdogs. They lost by one. Montana State, three touchdown underdogs. Almost beat Wyoming. UNI scared Iowa State again. Gardner-Webb almost scared Georgia Southern, who's starting Tulane's, uh, Tulane's ex-running back. Jones is their quarterback now. Missouri State mm-hmm. gave a scare to Oklahoma State, who didn't have Spencer Sanders. Uh, underdogs, by the way, overall went 46-41-1. and one. Unders went 54, 32, and two. These are over week zero and week one. Um, and as I said before, we had six FCS wins. Um, anything on Georgia Tech? Yeah. Oh, I just could not figure out how the Sam Hell Northern Illinois won this game. So when I when I dove into it, Northern Illinois, they didn't have a single explosive drive and they were well under the national average for two plus first downs. Uh, they averaged, and, and when you break it down, like how did they win this game? They averaged six points for every trip past the 40-yard line. They scored a touchdown every single time they crossed the 40. That is piss-poor defense by Georgia Tech. There was absolutely nothing in the red zone, nothing past the 40. They gave a touchdown every time to the Huskies. What is going on with this Georgia Tech offensive line? Northern Illinois had four sacks and six tackles for loss. Now, on top of all this, how Northern Illinois won this game, Georgia Tech only had two flags. Northern Illinois had 11. I mean, that's a lot of penalties. So I, I have no clue other than the fact that Northern Illinois scored every single time they crossed the 40. Rocky Lombardi had a mistake-free game. I didn't. That's something I didn't think I'd ever say on this podcast. Uh, and Northern Illinois' defense was in the backfield. Uh, they just demolished Georgia Tech's offensive line. Just crazy game. Uh, it, it's yeah, Georgia Tech may be fade material for the rest of the year because this is a huge loss when you when you really get into the offensive line and what the defense did with their backs to the end zone. Yeah, I would imagine Northern Illinois has a lot of trouble this week with Wyoming. Uh, I'm not. I'm. I'm not a big fan. That line, I think, has started to climb. I think it over to like four. I, I bet it closes over a touchdown. I'm not in the business of trying to lay over a touchdown or a touchdown with Wyoming in the way they play. But I wasn't. I think that spoke more about Georgia Tech than anything Northern Illinois did. It was outgained by 150 yeah. yards in the game. All right, moving on. I am the only person in America watching Kent State down 31 plus 30 get two gifts from god and my guy glass can't make a f***ing field goal what? texas a&m throwing the ball a minute 30 up 31 why kent state pick my guy runs it down to the last second why because he wants to cover the f***ing number and glass can't capitalize roll flash Oh, by the way, yeah, I, I don't listen to these voicemails until we do this because I'd like to respond. So I didn't even know that we got a uh, call about glass. So someone was watching. Stucky, Colin, it is Sunday morning. I'm still hungover as hell. But man, was that a great f***ing week one Saturday or what, boys? I am so glad and just so happy to be back. College football, winning bets. We were at the bar last night, cashing tickets, picking up girls, having a good time. 
dropped the hammer on Nevada and Marshall and NC State. Like everyone said on this podcast, you had a good weekend. Life is good. Let's keep it up. Looking forward to Tuesday for the recap and the rest of this season. Let's go, boys. All right, let's go. Ended on a positive note. Um, yeah, that's Nevada was very kind to me. I bet them live. I was betting them second half. I had them obviously for the game. Started out rough. I was like, oh man, Cal's actually a lot better than I thought after last year. Nevada's, and then Nevada ends up winning outright. Um, so that was a good end. And then UCLA too at night. That was very nice. But let's let's do a quick recap of something we'll do every week. Best call, worst call, bet, regret. I'm going to say best call has to be I got to go Nevada. I've been hyping this team all summer. I've been talking about them as the the best bet for weeks and they come through outright. We grabbed the three and a half. It closed at two and a half, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff fits the good, fits all the criteria for a best call of the week. And my worst call, I got to go. I mean, I already talked about them. You know, it's not Georgia State. Georgia State, I mean, they got trucked, but I mean, they were missing all these guys. Just a bend and then just turnover luck and just very misleading box score. I mean, there was four fumbles in the first quarter. They all went Army's way. I could say Miami. We'll talk about that Miami-Alabama game. But I'm going to go Western Michigan. I already talked about it. It, just, it was 7-7, and then after that, I never felt like I had a real chance. Credit to Michigan and hat tip to anyone to play Michigan. And the bet regret. Every gambler knows that feeling. Let's talk bet regret. You know, it's just low limits. So it doesn't really matter. But I wanted to notify people that – could bet it. You know, some people only bet $5 a game. Whatever you bet's cool with me. It's all relative. Twenty fifty. I, I said my favorite favorite was Nebraska. And I, I didn't even bet it for a couple hundred. And I forgot to put it in the app. It just wasn't on my – and then Nebraska ends up covering in a miraculous way. They looked awful in the beginning. But they ended up covering against Fordham late. So, finally, some positive Nebraska news. You ta- you you got to cover against Fordham. By the way, the kid for Fordham, we have one of the best linebackers in the country at the FCS level. He had 30 tackles, their middle linebacker, most against uh, – an FBS team, I think, in like 30 years or something. So, yeah, that's my bet regret, not getting that in for you. So uh, that's about it. How about you? Best call, worst call, bet regret, Colin? Well, I mean, if I had a rant, it would be about West Virginia, Maryland, who didn't have any points in the third quarter after running the score up in the in, in the first half. What am I staring at? 31 points in the first quarter, uh, a game I took an over on, and then the, the scoring just stopped. It's good for the Maryland futures for the over five and a half that we had from the preseason content. So, that's going to be my my rant of the day. Probably not my worst. They got call. tackled. Someone got tackled, right, or went down. They almost yeah. broke it at the end. Oh god, that was. If I had to say worst call, probably taking San Jose State. San Jose State got shut down by USC's defense. Absolutely. I mean, this Stark Starkle's just been dropping explosive plays on everybody, and there was a huge step up against a USC defense who proved a lot to me with this. And there was a lot of weapons that were missing, uh, you know, for the USC side and. The air raid coming out, offense like coming out and putting up uh, 30 points. I mean, credit to USC there. But, you know, best call is is <laughs> that Wisconsin, uh, what Wisconsin was doing past the 40-yard line. You're not saying terrible. Penn State is your best call. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I, I would love I to say Fresno. It. I would love to say Fresno. We got on the live show yeah, on Saturday Fresno. morning. If you guys didn't see the live show on Saturday morning, Fresno closed it out with a plus 850 and they had a chance. I mean, they were winning in the second half and, you know, I went and double dipped and hit them live when they got up around 30. So I, I had no problems. I think maybe that'll be the best call. I can't count Iowa. Iowa is one of those late ones that came in the app. Maybe Marshall. Marshall's a game that I hit uh, July that, that minus two. I said, I didn't understand. I think I said it in the app notes, uh, Marshall, I don't understand why this is minus two. This is a game I make minus 13 and Navy is horrendous. This game against Air Force ought to be 
really interesting. The Bama Miami under 31 and a half. Listen, that came, that was a nail biter. Thank you, Nick Saban and Bryce Young and a defense returning back a score. And and I'm going to tell you what, if I had a barometer up your ass to say whether you were giving effort or not, it was about 50%. Why did you push yourself? And last thing I'll close on is like, yeah, we did have Texas minus eight here on the podcast. We had Texas minus eight on the live show. Steve Sarkeesian already leading the nation in middle eight, 14 to three. That when we come in this podcast and we talk about coaching difference, when you have a middle eight number of 14 to three, that's the difference between Sark and Napier. And that's the reason why Sark is coaching at Texas and could coach anywhere in the nation that he wants and why Napier is stuck at Louisiana Lafayette. Goodness gracious, Billy Napier, the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns are back on their bullshit. Shout out there to Steve Sarkeesian, uh, hopeful, possible, eventual friend of the podcast. Yeah, so I mean, for a bet regret for me is Northern Iowa. I don't know how many times you and I consider to talk about fading Iowa State in the month of September, especially against a team that they've struggled with in the past uh, and overlooked to Iowa. We even told everybody at the beginning of the of the live show on Saturday that there was a lot of sharp money coming in on Northern Iowa, banged it down all the way down to 28 from in the 30s. And, and I told everybody that this was an Iowa State team to go against in September and didn't bet it. So I don't I don't regret that one as much. Same with Fresno. I mean, I was just it was a bad approach. I should have just took a little piece. I was trying to wait till the second half for both. Um, and obviously that didn't work out. Quick notes here on injuries. Memphis, the, you know, they started the freshman because Gannell wasn't ready. I think they're going to start a freshman again this week against Arkansas State. I don't think he's going to be ready. We already mentioned Ibrahim for Minnesota. Their safety went down. Ronnie Bell, their top receiver for Michigan, he's out for the year. Thibodeau for the star, maybe top overall draft pick. He was in a boot. Be something to watch against Ohio State this week. We mentioned Sims for Georgia Tech. Their quarterback went out. Trace Ford, huge loss for Oklahoma State. He's out for the year, their defensive end. Sky Moore for Western Michigan went down. John Emery didn't play for LSU. Their running back, academic reasons. Guarantano, the quarterback for Wazoo, got hurt. BYU, they were really bagged up going to that game. You know, Thule, their linebacker, both Nakua's the wide receivers. Their star kicker didn't play. And then they lost, I think, Romney, the wide receiver. Keep an eye on that. They lost the starting corner, went unconscious. They got really beat up against Arizona. Mentioned Mathis for Temple. Frost, Justin Lynch is probably going to start against Akron. Uh, Washington was without their top three receivers in that bad, bad loss against Montana. James Blackman started for Arkansas State. Amari Jones, the ex-Tulane running back, started a quarterback for Georgia Southern. And what was with Miami, Ohio? They Gabbert didn't start for Miami, Ohio? Yeah, I haven't heard the story on that. Why? So, yeah, I mean, they had, they had a kid who they had a pretty good backup who took over for Gabbert when he was hurt. But, but you uh, have to wonder if they just chucked it up. They knew that they were going to lose by potentially 50. You have to wonder if they just yeah. saved them. All right, let's let's talk a couple of the marquee games and just recap the, the most meaningful games from a national perspective. You know, Penn State obviously beats Wisconsin in one of the ugliest games of the day. I mean, it was 0-0 zero, yeah. zero forever and just a lot the of ha- incompetent offense. The havoc is back. The Penn State havoc is back. Or was it just Wisconsin incompetence? Um, we'll find out. Berger didn't play for Wisconsin, right, at all? Yeah. Him not playing at all was very interesting. Uh, Alabama with 44-13. I mean, get in from the one, Miami. Give me a sweat to try and get a back door. Now, luckily, they didn't score another touchdown. I would have been pissed. What are these teams going to learn not to shotgun with no one in the backfield and try a quarterback sneak? These are college quarterbacks. Get under center. Snap it at the goal line, too. Do this for on fourth and inches. First and goal. All you have to do is take the ball. Drew Brees could do it. Look how small he was in, in the NFL. And then go like this. Reach it over the goal line. doesn't matter if it gets swatted. It wants to cross the goal line. 
Alabama looked dominant. They just looked so much bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, I, I was just really impressed with Bryce Young. I mean, that was one of the questions coming in, how it was going to look. Now, 27 of 38, 344, four touchdowns. Pretty damn good. Alabama, uh, biggest jump in power rating this week. They eh? separated themselves from same, Clemson, same Georgia, Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, uh, Alabama's power rating is right back up to where it ended off last year. Once this offense gets more familiar with each other at the offensive line and, and Bryce Young is throwing out to his receivers deep downfield, which I believe he's going to be able to do anytime now that he's got a game under his belt. What's the ceiling for this team, especially, and I'm sure we're about to pivot into this, you know, we talk about this. The game is college football has changed. You can have the number one defense, right? Pound your chest and have the number one defense. But if you don't have an offense that could do what Alabama does, you're not going to win a national championship. Yep. Well, the, Alabama did lose Christopher Allen, their linebacker for the season. Yeah. Obviously, it's Alabama. But now you don't want to have another in, another big injury in that front side. That's something to watch. They should be okay without him. He's one of their most productive linebackers, like very big havoc creator. But he's probably – I think he fractured his foot. He's done for the season. So if, if, you know, they lose a couple or one other key guy or a couple other guys, that front seven, it could become an issue, which was a strength coming into the year. Just something of no nitpicking. They obviously look dominant. As always uh, in week one, the biggest game, uh, you know, before we get to the biggest game, the Clemson, Georgia, LSU, UCLA, the Pac-12, a wow. lot, lot of rough results in the Pac-12 with Washington, Washington State going down. But you have to be impressed with UCLA again over LSU. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, a lot of thoughts on that one. The ability for Chip Kelly to line up with nine guys on the line of scrimmage, run some sort of what looks like a goal line offense, like on the 40 midfield, and then to have five guys break off into routes and you've got tight ends going all over the place. Uh, you've got DTR making, you know, clean. He had one really bad throw to straight to Eli Ricks. But other than that, their ability for pre-snap, pre-snap motion, Greg Dulcich, nobody wanted to tackle Greg Dulcich whatsoever, but to see this Chip Kelly offense in full, like, I mean, in full shove it down your throat attack, they have legitimately two of the best running backs in the nation, legitimately one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the nation, legitimately an SEC type tight end that is going to just create so many problems for so many teams and their defense is swarming. I'm glad the handicap was right. But I think we need to have a serious conversation about me taking Utah in the South, you taking Arizona State in the South. This UCLA offense looks like an SEC offense. Using two tights, lining up nine guys in the line of scrimmage, it was a watch. I mean, for me, Sissy Blue and, and executions being the highlights of the weekend, I mean, UCLA just ran it down their throat. And I, they're going to keep doing this to everybody. See you out there with your Sissy Blue shirts. Bring, hey, hey, bring your ass on. Bring your ass on your little Sissy Blue shirt. Um, <laughs> by the way, uh, back to San Jose State, I'm on record of being very low. I think that offense is going to really miss their two top receivers, which are so big for them. Uh, we'll see. This goes into Ryan Gunderson, right? The passing game coordinator for San Jose State moved over to UCLA, and now you're seeing a little bit of regression in San Jose State, and now you're seeing UCLA. And that's got to be mostly Chip Kelly, but the fact that Ryan Gunderson is like DTR's, you know, the, the guy leading DTR around. I, I 200 to one national championship. I don't, I haven't looked to see if there's a make the playoff. It's 80 to one. I, I, I get crazy here. Look, they can't um, beat out. They can't beat Alabama, but I mean, serious, this team has a massive potential, massive potential. By the way, rounding out the top 25 here, the games involving top 25 teams, Iowa just demolishes Indiana 34 to six. Thank everything for that second half because I had the under and I was conflicted between the under and Iowa. And uh, at the half, the score was 31 to three. 
and I had under 46. <laughs> um, and the second half, they each scored three points, and that was it. And once they each got to a field goal, I couldn't afford another touchdown. And another a touchdown never came in the second half. A little misleading box score there because uh, Pettix threw two pick sixes in the first half and looked awful, but uh, credit to Iowa. We went perfect on the live show, but you were sweating that one. You were oh, sweating God, that, that was one. A, and that was when I was 0-4. I turned, away, I turned around my entire day. Sometimes there's a game like that. Speaking of perfection, let's give a shout out to our G5 guys, to Mike Ionello. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Mike Calibri is going 11. Oh, Jesus. Holy cow. Yeah, they want to left pockets, guys. On this feed. So, because we have our own feed, Big Bets on Campus, make sure you rate, review, subscribe. We have a group of five deep dive episode every week. They want an 11 and 0 on it. So, make sure you check that out later on this week. It's right on this feed. You'll see it. Uh, yeah. Before we get to Georgia Clemson, let's talk about the game last night, which was just so much fun. And everyone was watching it. It felt like everyone bet on it. It wasn't as fun for us Florida State backers when they went down 18. But, I mean, for Travis to go out when his helmet came off, Mackenzie Milton to make his debut back from his injury, returning from his injury and then leading a touchdown drive. Game goes to overtime. Florida State, as soon as he made, they made that 50-yarder and they overturned the call and he knew he was going to miss the 38-yarder, just what college kickers do. Notre Dame escapes, but Florida State showed some promise. They're a bettable team this year. Notre Dame showed some holes. Cohen looked good, though, in, in certain spots. That game was so fun. I really kind of wanted it to get to a third overtime to have these dueling two-point conversions. We didn't quite get there, but the cover was the most important thing. There was that risk. If it went to second overtime, Notre Dame scored first. They could have won by eight. Not everyone had your 10 column. We had a seven and a half out of sweat, but I was happy Florida State. That game was just awesome. Uh, any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, from a box score perspective, Notre Dame just killed it from a success rate perspective in the passing plays. They, uh, I, I didn't think Jack Cohen would be this good, but I mean, he averaged nine yards per play. Uh, he had 12 passes over 15 yards. Not the most mobile guy back there, you know, and, and so Florida State in passing downs had a yards per play of 11.3. They were explosive as could be like in standard downs, they were, you know, sub national average 2.51 yards per play. But when they needed an explosive play from third and long or second and long, that's what kept them in the game. And usually they turn, I mean, that, I don't know what's going on with the Marcus Freeman defense, right? It did not look like a Marcus Freeman defensive coach. I know that they've lost a lot of players from last year, but giving up those huge explosive plays to Florida state is what kept the Seminoles in that game. Uh, you know, I don't know what Mike Norvell was doing. There's just coaching problems all over the place here from uh, some of the things I saw on the Notre Dame side. But what Mike Norvell was doing from a play call selection, that that third and five Wildcat, the fourth and two, going forward on your own 33, icing your own kicker. to. And by the way, if his arm is going down, how is that not intentional grounding? Like I, a lot of this didn't make sense. It's a pretty bad coaching going on there. But uh, Florida State is explosive. Uh, the offensive line's got to get better. Uh, I was pretty impressed with the defense. Uh, so you'll see how it plays out for each team. But Notre Dame, yeah, under nine, eight and a half. I, I feel comfortable about that win total on the season. Kyle Hamilton's a stud, by the way. He's going to be such yeah. he's gonna be a star in the NFL, this Notre Dame safety. And Freeman will get that. De- it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little bit of time, I assume, especially with the players they lost. He'll get that defense turned around. Florida State, I didn't just, I didn't necessarily mind them going for it, being aggressive. The play call, they just they had their past success rate was so poor. I would have tried to run the ball. You know, you have to have some kind of maybe a, like a, a trick play, something that you had up your up your sleeve, little gadget play, because Travis just rolling out and throwing the ball was not working all night. All right, then let's get to the biggest game of the weekend, the one with the most college football playoff implications, and that's 
Georgia Clemson. Uh, I was so mad when Georgia got that pick six, which was the only touchdown of the game. Georgia won 10, three. I was yeah. tweeting we Georgia live, Georgia live. We'll get, we got to get Georgia live. If not, we'll get them second half I was rooting for Clemson. To just take a field goal lead because Georgia, I was watching that game dominating, dominating the trenches on both sides. It was clear. I mean, Clemson had what they Dabo's name has his first name has four letters in it. They had three points and two rushing yards. I mean, that, that doesn't sum up how pathetic they were. Maybe Dabo's on his way out since kids are getting paid. We're expanding the playoffs, all the things that yeah. he doesn't want, because I don't think he was doing much coaching on uh, Saturday night. Georgia wins 10-3. I don't know if the ACC Clemson, I don't know if they get into the Cosmo playoff no matter what they do now uh-huh. um, without help, without help. They're going to need help. Even if they win out, you know, Georgia, you assume Georgia is going to get in there. They beat them on a neutral field, 10-3, held them with two rushing yards. Uh, you know, there's that clip on TikTok. Everyone's showing the clip of Dabo showing DJ. Here's where you're going to be throwing touchdowns. I saw a South Carolina fans. South Carolina fans living their life. South Cackalacky. Is that <laughs> Nolan putting up points? They, are, they, they get a Cover in 43. Over. Here's where you're going to be throwing touchdowns. Uh, and then it's just a, a South Carolina guy in the field with a South Carolina hat on. He goes, where? Where are the touchdowns? I don't right. see them. So, yeah, very, very good win for our Georgia Futures. It was nice to laugh at Dabo. I was pissed I couldn't get in, in, in on Georgia Live because I was seeing it from the beginning. I said, this is – Georgia's dominating this game of the trenches. Man, we have to get Georgia Live, and I just – I never got the chance. Well, not all bad offensive performances have similar box scores. And when you look into the box score on these two teams and in this game – I am fairly confident in saying Clemson is not going to make it into the college football playoff. There are so many problems on this offensive line, and I get it. I get what Georgia was doing in the trench, and I get what they were doing in coverage. Like Justin Ross didn't got lost a couple times. Georgia's you know secondary back seven was all over the some of the targets for DJ. DJ had nobody to throw to. But let's back up a little bit and let's talk about. The running plays, because Clemson's offensive line couldn't do any. They had 16 rushing attempts. 12 of them were stuffed. 12 of 16 were stuffed. That's a 75% stuff rate. The national average is 30%. Now, Georgia, from a rushing perspective, I think it's really interesting to see what does Todd Munkin's offense look like? A balanced attack. It used to be Georgia heavy on the run. 31 plays in the passing game, 30 plays in the running game. Georgia was only stuffed on 20%. That's well below 30% national average. They got 4.3 yards per play in running plays. And then in the passing game, that's where the success rate fell a little bit short of national average. But I can't get over the fact that Clemson and standard downs, 1.9 yards per play. They were consistently playing from the back of their heels. The Georgia defense just dominated that trench. And that tells me that anybody with a pulse in the trench on the defensive line is going to be able to challenge Clemson this year. 180 total yards. Yeah, so Georgia's in the driver's seat for a college football playoff spot. You know, you if think- I'm in, if I'm NC State, I'm excited. If I'm NC State, I'm excited. But I, I'm not making a bet on Clemson. Are you? I'm not making a bet on Clemson to win the, no, to go to the. No. no, no way. Nope. Want no part. Um, we will see if Clemson. We'll see if Dabo can get his boys ready to score a touchdown against South Carolina State this week, and then the conference <laughs> the the uh, schedule gets a lot tougher with Georgia Tech the week after. So I'm sure. Clemson will have a couple blowout wins over the next two weeks, but no, who's, who's going to no run interest. the ball? Who's going to run the ball? Will Shipley, four of seven. Lin Jay, one, one of 10. Who's going to run the damn ball for this team? 
crazy. Yeah, I hope that I hope that Clemson beats South Carolina State and Georgia Tech by a hundred each, and then I'll be looking at uh, you know to get NC State as a home dog, maybe get BC as an overinflated road dog the next week. It was not impressed with what I saw out of Clemson. When you have Kirk Herbstreit, who's ex- I mean so close to this team because his kids put you know been on the roster. He's very close to the team. And I thought hearing what he had to say is that game got over and he's like, you know, a bit, I, I don't want to paraphrase, but if I read between the lines between what Kirk was saying, he's like, you just don't want to chalk this up as a lost season. You got to pick up your helmet. You got to play again. There's a lot of problems here. I hope they just don't, you know, it, it sounded like he didn't want Clemson to just give up on the season. Like, I don't know if he subliminally has a feeling like this team knew that this was going to happen coming into this offensively. But him having this whole statement about how this team's got to learn not to give up the entire season, to me, that was telling. Because he knows if there's anybody that knows what's going on in the locker room that's outside of the locker room, it might be Kirk. And and I know that he was just doing his job, but I want nothing to do with this Clemson team whatsoever. All right, before we go three and out, just a quick reminder to our listeners. The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook. And they've got a great sign-up offer for you guys this season. New WinBet. Patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. $1,000. To take advantage of this WinBet offer, just click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Before we get out of here, let's do three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. Well, we have first down is always going to be for our weekday games. And guess what? We don't have any. So there's no weekday games until Friday, which we'll cover on the Thursday podcast. So, Colin, I'll ask you for first down. (laughs) What was the last score that you shot in golf? I played today nine, but it didn't count because we were, I was scrambling with the wife. So uh went out to Oregon to Bandon Dunes and I shot a 99 on Bandon Dunes and I shot a 100 on Sheep Ranch. That's not a great golf score on a regular course, but for two courses that are considered the best public in the entire nation that are on the Pacific Ocean with 25 mile an hour winds, I'll take it. All right. Fair enough. If anyone wants to is near Colin wants to challenge him. Now you know the, the kind of baseline <laughs> if you're near him. I'm even worse at golf. Uh so I, you don't want to, you don't want to play me. I won't give you away my money because that's what you would do is take my money. Um, all right, let's move on to second down. Let's do some giveaways, some reviews. Go subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Leave reviews. We just we do giveaways and they really help us with the ratings. And you guys have done them in the past for old podcasts that got us this this channel. So we do appreciate everyone who listens. So all you have to do is just reach out to our podcast producer. Matt Mitchell at old boy, Uncle Mitch, O-L and then boy, O-L boy, all one word, Uncle Mitch. If you can't find him, DM me and I'll, I'll hook you up. Preseason, midseason, postseason, number one in the fan polls. Y'all simply the best. The amount of knowledge I've gained about college football and betting for listening to you guys is crazy. Just want to say I appreciate y'all. Colin is definitely going to bet the over in Arkansas Pine Bluff. We'll save. We, <laughs> we have 50 bets. So that's Action Network only, J95. Reach out. Must listen. Who Woo Pig Sophie? Is that a, do people say that to make fun of Arkansas? Woo Pig Woo Pig Sophie. It sounds like me after a long night on Dixon. He, yeah, mentioning hearing Tusk always gets him excited in August. Seahawks sixty three. Please reach out. Let's do Johnny Living Good. Enjoy the breakdowns of season previews. Bonuses. Stucky lives in Central Kentucky. Nice to have a Kentucky dude represent. We are in Lexington. Come to our bars and drink for free. 
come to Stagger. Just reach out, DM me. MVP twelve thirty three, best podcast out there, bar none. Go Buckeyes. Uh, you can unsubscribe to everyone else. Yep, MVP twelve thirty three. Reach out, Minor Nation. SBU Bonnie's number one. I can't wait till college basketball. Tremendous pod that covers it all from UTEP to Southern Utah to audio clips involving a tin horn. SBU Bonnie's reach out. They run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. We'll, we'll do them all throughout the season, so make sure you leave reviews. And then for third down, before we get out of here, let's just mention one game. You know, we're going to be writing these up. We have our, our week two betting preview later this week. That'll be out late Thursday night. But one game that's on your radar where the line might move, uh, I'll start it out. I'll go with Toledo. I make this line 12-8, I think. i got to double-check. I have to go through a secondary check of updating numbers and looking at box scores from this weekend. But definitely under two touchdowns. I think this line's going to keep coming down. One of the things that really stuck out for me with Notre Dame with all their defensive losses was, well, two things, actually. They lost a lot on the defensive line and the offensive line. You know what they really couldn't do against the Florida, Florida State was run the ball. I mean, they were getting stuffed all day long. And this is a Florida State defense that stuffed nobody last year. So you could really see Notre Dame. I know they had an injury there to left tackle, but you could see that Notre Dame offensive line with a with really talented backs wasn't getting a push, and they were getting stuffed. And the other side of the ball, you saw some of the explosive runs that Florida State had. And Florida State has a just – their offensive line is still really raw. I think it's improving. But Toledo is a team – that can run the ball, and I think we'll have success running the ball against Notre Dame. So I think this line is just way too high. Uh, how about you? Any, any I want to give you one circle. One hundred percent agree with you on that line being too high. Uh, I think a lot of the games that I played on the Action app yesterday, they still have a little bit of room to run, with the exception of maybe Army and Western Kentucky. Uh, I, I did put notes in the app and saying that UT Martin was extremely successful in running the ball against Western Kentucky and that Army's defensive back seven performance against Georgia State was something that could stop our Hilltoppers. This is not the week for Western Kentucky to be trying to prep for a triple option. So that has really been on the move uh, all the way up to seven. I think I'd stop buying Army at about where it's at now, where as we record at six and a half. But I agree with you on Notre Dame moving. Uh, and another one that I think is out there on a Friday night game, UTEP Boise, I make that 21 and a half. And I know that... Minor Nation. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. I know there's other power ratings that move some of this. And I, I think that that power rating is probably going to be below the current 26 is out there right now. So if you're listening to this, uh, I, I don't think Boise UTEP is going to settle on 26. And um, a couple other games, uh, NC State, Mississippi State. NC State already runs uh, a defense that's prepped to take on the air raid. Uh, and Mississippi State is going to have some serious issues with NC State. Um, so that's a number that I believe I make NC State minus three. It looks like it's already come up to minus two and a half as we're sitting here talking about it. But uh, it's a game where I see a ton of advantages for the Wolfpack. One more uh, we should talk about. I did put it over in on San Diego State, Arizona. Oh, uh, no. Arizona's, and I know that everybody's upset about it. I've already gotten uh, multiple mentions about it. But Wait, is it comfortable on the app? I haven't even seen it yet. Oh, no. It, I it's on the app. This. It's on the app. Listen, Arizona and Jed Fish ran at 22 and a half seconds per play. That is a top 25, uh, no matter what their offense is going to be. And the fact that they only scored, you know, a couple scores against BYU, they still ran an extremely fast pace. Yes, I am in late night San Diego State on the over. Uh, I think the numbers should be in the 50s. So we'll, we'll see what happens to that in another, another oh, weekend. No. I know. All right, no. that's, that's, 
Cut me off. All right, now. That's enough, Sharon. I'm going to uh, troll you on Twitter now. We'll be back later in the week of the week two betting preview. It's time for us to go get to work. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully you can have another good week. Subscribe, unsubscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, tell an enemy. We appreciate all of your support, and we will catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out.